everybody, welcome back in to another episode of Two on OSU. As always, I'm joined by my identical twin, Sam Hutchins. Uh, and we're here today to talk about uh, big picture and small picture from Oklahoma State's Bedlam win, the ramifications of all that. I feel like I've been seeing uh, the Twitter and in, in the conversation nonstop. Bedlam, Bedlam, Bedlam. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. But first, we want to thank our sponsors who help uh, do everything we do at Two on OSU. And that's MidFirst Bank, Laserlight Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, and Fire Lake Casino. Thank you for, for all of your support for this show. And we, all, and we want to remind everyone to drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Sam, are the Cowboys the best in Oklahoma? Well, that's what the video board said at Boone Pickens Stadium at the end of the, the field storming. And, um, you know, Oklahoma State certainly has a claim to that now. I know that it's kind of a tough task to break down the Bedlam win. Ben, I, I think the easiest way to do it is to split it into two parts. There's the win where you take off the helmet stickers and solely in terms of, hey, this is a big win for OSU's um, resume and this is how to help them get to Arlington blah, blah, blah. But then there's also the other undeniable part of the win where, yeah, for, for the team that has had a, a really rough record in, in Bedlam history that lasts over 100 years, the Cowboys got the last one. And that's a huge part of that too. So um, let's start there, Ben. What, what does this mean win to, to Oklahoma State? Not even in terms of record or Big 12 standings. What, what does it mean just from what Mike Gundy said and from what players told you postgame? I mean, my, my mind goes to the fans. I mean, you talked to him, Sam. You were down there uh, in the student section during the game at Theta Pond after the game. Uh, you, you got so many great anecdotes from those fans talking about what this game means to them. And I just think to the joy I saw on the field after the game, the, uh, it was just unbridled. I mean, I don't think you can say that this game, it, it just means so much. I don't know if it means more than 2021. They felt kind of different. In 2021, OSU had playoff ramifications and all that. But this, I don't think the joy was as much tied up into potentially going to the college football playoff. I think this was pure joy at beating the rival for the last time. Yeah, um, it was a crazy post game for me, Ben. It was the first time I'd covered an Oklahoma State game and not talked to Mike Gundy afterwards, not gone to that press conference. I didn't even talk to players. What I did is I kind of I followed the goalposts out of the stadium. So, um, you know, with we had so much content that sellout crowd, I wanted to do a, a little bit of a different story. And yeah, that's exactly right, Ben. I talked to fans who were crying. Um, one fan told me it was the second best day of his life before his wedding. Um, and then actually, the the funny story about that fan, he didn't even have tickets to the game. He, he and his wife, um, they, James and, and Jada Haycraft, they'd both run in the stadium with a minute left just because they wanted to be a part of it. So I talked to folks who were crying. It, it meant a lot. Um, I talked to folks who were trash talking OU fans in the student section, and they were given the ultimate trump card of the Cowboys winning. So, um, you know, it. I just, I think that was the best word, Ben, was unbridled. I saw unbridled joy for, for Oklahoma State fans out on that field where, hey, even if you've only won 20 bedlams, winning the last one, counts for something that OU won't be able to get back. So 
Um, it, it was a huge, a huge game just in terms of morale, I guess, for, for Oklahoma State, especially to, to imagine where the season started, where I can't, I couldn't have imagined a scene like that after leaving Boone Pickens Stadium against South Alabama. Um, it, it's been an incredible turnaround that even if the Cowboys drop a game or two uh, in this, in this last uh, quarter of the season and end up just making an okay bowl, this season, I think, to a certain extent, will always be viewed as a success for Oklahoma State because of what they did sending OU to the SEC. So I was I was really impressed by a Cowboy team that played well and took advantage of mistakes to win a huge game in Oklahoma State's history. Even Mike Gundy, I think, with his actions after the game, showed us how much it meant to him. Of course, in his pregame press conference, he kind of tried to downplay it, as any coach probably would. Um, but after the game, Mike, he took a second to soak it in. He He went over and thank the students for their support. He, uh, he, he didn't run off the field like he did in 2021. He, he was out there soaking it in for a moment. Uh, he eventually made it into kind of the mouth of the tunnel and he didn't go back to the locker room. He, he sat, he, he stood there with, uh, his family gauge was down there and he was, uh, congratulating players as they, as they walked in and ran in and hugging. And I think this game meant uh, a lot to the fans, of course, to Mike Gundy and to the players as well. But it also means a lot to what the Cowboys are going to do this season, Sam, uh, with the, the college football playoff projections and in rankings coming out on Tuesday, uh, the AP poll coming out uh, yesterday. Cowboys were up to 15 in the AP poll. Sam, what do you think this game does uh, from a completely standpoint of like like this season and the future games. Yeah, just records and projections and, mm-hmm. and bowl destinations. Um, I, I can see the Cowboys landing at about 15 in the college football playoff poll. Uh, maybe a couple higher just because the, the CFP committee has, has been a little more favorable than the AP poll this season to Oklahoma State. Um, but yeah, with two losses, you know, they're, they're not going to make the playoff. Um, but what the Cowboys did set, them up, uh, set themselves up for was a very realistic shot at going to the second Big 12 championship game in three years. Um, and been for a long time, it, it looked like that game would be a coronation of the SEC with OU and Texas kind of being the two teams looked like it'd, it'd be headed to, to Arlington for a Red River shootout rematch. But now Oklahoma State and Texas are the two teams in the driver's seat. So those are the two teams at the top of the Big 12 still. Um, and and it bro- yeah, uh, this last Saturday broke up the log jam. So there, you know, Iowa State lost, Kansas State lost to Texas in a game that we may look back on as, wow, that had major implications. Um, and then the Sooners lost, of course, to, to Oklahoma State. So from a five-way tie to a two-way tie, now if the Cowboys win out, they go to the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, the, the KU beating Iowa State was big for the Cowboys. Of course, that's the only team in the Big 12 that owns that tiebreaker over Oklahoma State. Uh, you might have been at your tailgate or, or walking into the stadium when Texas and K-State concluded. If you left for the first half, you man, you, you thought uh, K-State was left for dead. But the Wildcats came back, made it a game, ended up failing on a two-point con- or on, on, a, on a touchdown in overtime. Yeah. Sam, that would have given them uh, the lead if, if they would have uh, converted a fourth down touchdown. So I think that loss is, is certainly pretty much the only negative uh, for the Cowboys from last Saturday. Texas and, and, and OSU, it's, if, if, if they win out, it, uh, 
it, it could maybe even, I mean, there, there's some scenarios here that we could see another bedlam. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because Texas, um, the Cowboys in Texas, there's no tiebreaker there. They didn't play. So the Cowboys would have had, and they still do have, the tiebreaker over Kansas State. So if you were drawing up a scenario for the easiest way for the Cowboys to get to Arlington, Kansas State beating Texas would have been preferable. Um, but yeah, Ben, you're, you're exactly right. That's perhaps the most intriguing matchup to me that we could see in Arlington would be if the Cowboys could match up against the Sooners again. And for the Sooners to get back to Arlington, remember, OU has the tiebreaker over Texas. So um, with, with their win earlier in the year. So all that would need to happen is if Texas loses a game and the Sooners win out. That would forge a, a Bedlam rematch, which I would sign up for in a heartbeat. That game would be, that'd be fascinating. And um, for, you know, maybe the Cowboys wouldn't have the last laugh after all in that game. Um, because Ben, I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking as I was driving back from the, from the Bedlam game, what were the, the key moments in that game? Who looked better? Because total yardage, passing yardage, those stats are so similar. And I think the Cowboys just did a much better job of capitalizing on mistakes to win Bedlam. So maybe in a rematch, you might not get all those mistakes. Maybe Bedlam turns out differently in a rematch. Um, I'm not even so sure if, if those teams play again that the that the Cowboys, um, that they win that game. Um, home field helped a lot, no doubt. I think home field, uh, you know, the, the Sooners had multiple false start penalties, offsides penalty. They just kind of got frazzled a little bit. So maybe in Arlington, that, that game would look a lot different. But I'd sign up for that too because Bedlam on Saturday was uh, enthralling. That was a fun game to watch. It's it's so weird to even think that, you know, think of a scenario where that game is played because it really did feel like the rivalry got laid to rest here Saturday. Um, to dig it up again in four or five weeks, it, it would just feel so crazy. I, I think a lot of finality was coming into this game, and I think people accepted win or loss that this is going to be the final one. So it would just be wild, I think, I think to, to play that game. Hey, another Bedlam in five weeks. I think it was a – if it was the, the last ending, you know, and I agree, it, maybe it is, would be a shame for, for the game to end – in Arlington a little bit where, hey, you know, it's not a, a true, truly toxic atmosphere one way or the other. Um, because it was, if this was the last Bedlam, I think it was a fantastic end to Bedlam. You had true Bedlam. You had calls, you know, I think the one against Drake Stoops that have people up in arms and uh, at war against who was robbed, this and that. You had uh, crazy plays, turnovers, interceptions that swung the game. Heck, the ESPN game tracker was swinging up and down um, like, a, like a, a heartbeat detector where it, it could have gone either way at, at any point in the game. You had lead changes. It, it was a really fun game to watch and one that if people ask me, hey, what was it like to watch the last Bedlam? You know, it was anything but a snooze fest, which is kind of what you'd expect from the, the Bedlam series, at least in our lifetime, Ben, that's been a lot of fun. Now today, Sam, of course, we just got back from the Mike Gundy Monday press conference. Did he say anything to you that, that you think we need to bring up on the show? I mean, it really felt to me like he was ready to move on. And, and he, was, he was already, in his mind, moved past Bedlam and on to UCF. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. He said um, he talked to the coaches on Monday. And that Monday morning, he went in and said, okay, we're done. I don't want to hear any more about Bedlam. Um, and, and Gundy said transparently enough to, to his credit he said 
because I recognize, you know, the magnitude of that game, it wasn't going to go away on its own. Some wins, if you're Oklahoma State, you know, sure, they go away after one or two days anyway. But the, with this win, the way it ended, the way that the goalposts were wrenched from the stadium and thrown into Theta Pond and then paraded around the, the strip, and I think they're in the police station now. Um, this is the type of game that's not going to go away in two days and lead, could lead to, you know, the quote-unquote hangover, hangover game, you know, going out to Orlando and maybe you lay an egg and then all your hard-earned work in Bedlam was for naught. So that's what Gundy's message to the team was. I would have put a hundred bucks that that's what he was going to tell us is, Hey, we're trying to move on from Bedlam. But I thought it was interesting what Gundy said about, Hey, this game is not going to go away on its own. Coaches have to be the ones um, with the fire extinguisher a little bit kind of saying, all right, let's move on playing an Orlando team that been, I mean, for the first time this year, but we'll get into that matchup later in the year, but the Cowboys have the most expectations on them now of any point in the season. Certainly since week one, but even beyond that, this is the highest the Cowboys have been ranked all year. And um, yeah, it's like now is the first opportunity for OSU to lay an egg. Um, That preparation, if they're poorly prepared, could happen. So um, that was absolutely the emphasis from the press conference. That's a really good point you bring up. This is, other other than the Cincinnati game, this is the first time, you know, on this big run the Cowboys have been on that they've been the favorite. Right, they were they were yeah. like a six point dog against OU, underdogs against those Kansas teams. I mean, the Cowboys have really uh, been playing with house money because there was nothing to play for. We thought after that Iowa State and South Alabama losses, and then the Cowboys just kind of resurrect their season, um, and, and now the pressure's on them to 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 beat a UCF team that's one in five in conference play in a stereotypical trap game. Uh, so it, it certainly is going to be important for the Cowboys to to flush this one away and, and you know, remember it. It'll be a, a fun win to remember for them after the season's over. But, but now Mike Gundy, certainly with the way he came out in this press conference, illustrates to me just how much he wants to move past this game. Yeah, the mentality, Ben, shifts from, okay, buckle down. You know, if, if we just focus on this game, you know, like, like what Casey Dunn told you about, hey, he said after Iowa State, he told the team, hey, everything is still on the table. You just have to be perfect pretty much from here on out. And now that the Cowboys kind of have been perfect and are on this Big 12 winning streak, now you start to come to the other side of that tunnel. You see the light of it at the end and think, wow, OSU is very close to pulling off something pretty incredible and getting all the way to Arlington. So now is really the the time to trip when you're in the spotlight a little bit if you're Oklahoma State. So I mean, and it starts with UCF. Like I said, we'll get into that later in the week. But on paper, the Cowboys should beat UCF, I think, pretty handily. The Knights had the second worst run defense in, in the country, right right behind North Texas. That was a note uh, handed out on the packet to media today. So, you know, on paper, this game just sets up uh, very differently. And really, the rest of the season sets up very differently from the Bedlam game and what's behind the Cowboys to where they were the underdogs in a lot of it. Yeah, we'll see how Ollie Gordon can bounce back from getting shut down by the Sooners. I mean, he didn't even reach 200 yards. <laughs> yeah, it, it was weird. He he felt a little shut down. And then you look up and say, oh, wow, he had, what, 134 in, in two touchdowns? Um, that was a little weird. Hey, that's another thing we should bring up. Gundy said today, he, I, he's, I think he said his words were, there are too many people cheering for Ollie Gordon right now. And... He, he was kind of uh, bringing that story up to, to use the example of, hey, like, 
it's really hard to hear your name chanted in the stadium and be told how great you are by so many people and then work just as hard as you were when you were unknown, um, work just as hard and prepare just as uh, fervently for, for games. I, was it Conor McGregor? Or, I mean, I don't know if he stole it for anyone who, who said, you know, the, the quote, it's harder to wake up in the harder to wake up in the morning when you're on a bed of satin sheets, silk sheets, something like that. Ollie Gordon right now, he he's living the king life in Stillwater a little bit. And I thought it was interesting what, what Gundy said about, hey, that's a little bit cause for concern, not because of anything Gordon's done, but because it's a little harder to wake up in the morning, uh, you know, to at five in the morning to hit the gym when when you're sleeping on a bed of satin sheets. Yeah, he made it today four straight Big 12 Offensive Players of the Week. Back to back to back to back. Um, and you heard the students, Sam. Ollie, Ollie. I mean, I haven't heard, you know, that um, maybe since Chuba Hubbard. Uh, the, the students and, and fan base kind of, you know, galvanize around one person like Ollie Gordon. I, I can't even imagine what his life is like right now and um, just how many more obligations and handshakes and pictures he's taken now compared to a few, you know, a couple months ago after South Alabama when, uh, you know, he had three carries like, like he did in the opener. Uh, his life has changed more than anyone. Yep. He leads the nation in rushing, which is uh, pretty impressive based on how his season started and um, kind of a microcosm of what the Cowboys have done lately is, wow, season started out rough, but I guess in this case, it really was how they've closed it because so far, they, they've turned, you know, people say, can, can you save the, the sinking ship? They've patched it up and started sailing toward the promised land. You know, it's, th this boat is not only above water still, this boat has been upgraded and this boat is zooming toward, toward the, the promised land. So um, it, it's just very interesting how this Cowboys season has completely flipped from being a, a bottom of the Big 12 team at, at, at one point and um, thought destined just to hopefully scrape up enough wins for a bowl game to wait. This team could reach Arlington and beyond. So very, very uh, wild season so far. It's been a crazy ride. So I know Mike Gundy's trying to, 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 to move past and, and, and look to the future and look to UCF, but uh, in the two-minute drill, Sam, we're going to do a little bit of, of looking back to some crazy things we saw in Bedlam. Are you ready to get into the two-minute drill? Yep, let's do it. All right. Uh, the things we're going to do in the two-minute drill, craziest thing you saw in Bedlam, the actual game, and the craziest thing you saw outside of the game. What's the craziest thing you saw in the game? Well, I did a little reporting from the student section, so I saw a lot of crazy things in the game. Um, honorable mention will, will be the, the student I saw who wore a I Heart Lincoln Riley overall, just because I talked to him. He said, I asked my OU fan friend, what's the most annoying thing I could put on my overall? And I put exactly that. So shout out to him. That was the funniest thing. Craziest thing I saw, I'll, I'll modify it. Craziest thing I heard was the crowd reaction after Drake Stoops was short on that fourth down. That was the moment OSU fans could finally breathe and they yelled their hearts out. It was ridiculously loud, especially from the student section there. And that was a moment, it was almost a, a guttural roar that, really sticks with me as, wow, this win means a lot more than just one Bedlam win to these Oklahoma State fans. Ben, what's the craziest thing you saw from the game? That Ollie Gordon pass, dude, that was nuts. I mean, 
he's a high school quarterback. We, we, we all know that, but, but he lollipop that pass. And it was just the wildest sequence I've seen in a long time. The pitch back, uh, Gordon said the, the play was designed to pass back to Bowman, but, uh, the Sooners had that sniffed out. So it forced Ollie Gordon to throw across the field, moving to his left, something I don't even think, uh, Patrick Mahomes is super advised to be doing. Yeah. And Ollie Gordon uh, left one hanging out there for Billy Bowman, who who made the tackle. That play took like like 16 seconds, which is forever in a football game. That was the craziest thing I saw from the game. That was ridiculous. Okay, and then the craziest thing we saw around the game, not involving players. One of the wildest things I saw from the last bedlam was as I'm leaving the press box um, quite a few hours after the game has ended, I saw some folks down at where the stub of the goalpost was in the east end zone. And as I walked out that gate there, I, I went to go snap a picture and kind of struck up a conversation with them. At first, I thought they were OSU Athletics employees. I think they were just students who had brought an electric saw out there to saw off a piece of that goalpost for a souvenir. So I'm not a tattletale. I don't even think I got their names, um, but good for them. Last I heard, they did saw off a piece uh, a little shard of, of the goalpost to keep as a souvenir of Oklahoma State's Bedlam win. Craziest thing I saw like around the game was people unstorming the field. I, I, I didn't even know that was possible, but the way those students, you know, jumped on, jumped down and got on the field, it created a log jam of, of people. And look, after the, the goalpost came down and the, the Taylor Swift and the Toby Keith were playing, um, after that was all over, people started to look for a way to get off. And the only way to leave the field was to go back up into the student section. <laughs> so I saw people reaching down and pulling people up. I thought, man, this was uh, kind of counterintuitive. We're, we're now unstorming the field. But that's how uh, students got off the field. And it's how I got up and around to the postgame interview. So I, I, I'd never seen anybody unstorm the field. I've never seen a lot of the things I saw for the first time after that Bedlam game. That was, that was a crazy game. No doubt. Well, we're going to be back uh, later this week to preview Oklahoma State's game against UCF. And we want to remind everyone, if this is your first time hearing or watching the show, man, be sure to, to subscribe on YouTube. It'll really help us out. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever podcast app you like. We're there as well. Uh, it, it'd help if you subscribe to that. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. That would be just fantastic uh, to help us and let us know what you want to hear on 2 on OSU. Until later this week, thanks for joining us.